The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We're chugging along, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris, your gracious and sometimes humble host. And this is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com is the website. Hoopball Fantasy is the fantasy Twitter news feed that if you guys are not following, you're doing it wrong. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I would certainly appreciate if you guys would hunt me down and follow me. I always do the, if you can spell it, you can find me bit, but also just searching for Dan from Hoopball would get the job done. Uh, a couple of little tidbits on news before we even get the, the ball game going here. Andre Drummond apparently announcing on his Instagram that he's expecting to play in the Lakers next ball game. So uh, whatever we were plotting there we we probably have a trajectory on that one the magic listing cole anthony and michael carter williams as likely to play in their ball game coming up tonight that is something we will definitely bring up as we look at our game preview portion of the podcast and bearing the lead a little bit kevin durant is expected to return from his extended hamstring absence just as james harden goes out with a hamstring absence, and we'll see how KD looks coming back. Last time he came back from an injury, he looked pretty damn good in his first game out of the shoot. He's just sort of a guy that you can drop into anything offensively, and he's going to be great. I think you can probably consider starting him uh, almost right out of the shoot. Even if there's a time constraint, he probably still hits value in uh, the this short amount of time that we're talking about there. Um... I'm trying to think of what I what we ought to do with today's podcast. Let's just start tr- kind of rumbling through it. I had some more data that we pulled out of yesterday, a couple more polls that we ran. So that is something that we'll address, I think, maybe in the middle of the show. That seemed to go well in the last one. Other little bits of information that trickled out of the NBA. And uh, so we'll just break all of that stuff down. Let's start by recapping a blowout-y Tuesday well, really, half of these games, well, maybe even more, like five out of the eight games were pretty much decided early. It didn't completely biff box scores, but it put a little bit of a ding into them. Chicago beat Indiana 113-97. Miles Turner hurt his ankle in this ball game, and they said it didn't really sound all that great afterwards. So suddenly they're now down both centers. Demonis Sabonis missed this ball game. Malcolm Brogdon actually missed this ball game as well. And we don't know the, the precise timetables on these guys. But suffice to say that if they both miss time, Goga Batadze will probably get the center start and will probably play 25 to 30 minutes because they won't really have much of a choice. He's kind of the last man standing there. Jeremy Lamb ended up having a really nice ball game, collected six steals in this one. And he... You know, just 23 minutes in what was basically a blowout loss, so the minutes were kind of a mishmash and a little all over the map. But it is something to worth to to monitor because 
you might see the Pacers change up the way they build their lineups here. Without Sabonis and without Brogdon, they desperately need scoring. That was Karis LeVert, who's going to get a ton of usage here, and so the uh, sell-high boat may float back into harbor here. And then you might see them drop Jeremy Lamb into the mix a little bit because he is a better scorer than most of the other guys they have floating around. You know, you could argue Doug McDermott may be a slightly better floor spacer, but Lamb has the more well-rounded offensive game. He's a great foul shooter. That's always kind of been one of those things. And so you may land in a little bit of a streamer zone. That could also get detonated if Brogdon and Sabonis end up coming back quickly. I think the impression I'm getting here is that Miles Turner is probably going to be out a week or two, so stay tuned on that one. I'm sure we'll get more information. TJ McConnell had, by all accounts, a pretty disappointing game. Figured he would be better with no Brogdon, but I think you can safely trot him out there. On the Chicago side, Vooch, 32-17-5. He's starting to settle in a little bit. Zach Levine, 19-8-6, which was fine, but that's not exactly what we were hoping for at him. It, just 6 for 18 shooting. Presumably that stuff will come around. And uh, I got to think we're at that, and this is more of a betting thought than a fantasy thought, but we're at that kind of pivot point for Chicago where they're going to start now to figure out their new rotations, who plays with who, what makes the most sense. And then fantasy values are going to start to solidify a little bit. So if you have any question marks on Chicago, this is an opportunity to either to maybe cash in a little bit, whether it's by sell or by buy. Probably should have thought through my sequence of words on that a little bit better. For instance, not that anybody was going to do anything with Vooch or Levine, so let's just shelve those guys for a minute. Thad Young still appears to be locked into a pretty nice role with this team. I don't see that going anywhere. Lowry Markkinen's role has been shrinking by the week. He played just 21 pretty good minutes in this game, actually. 15 points, 6 boards, a steal, a block, 3 three-pointers. He's not going to be this efficient every night. I'm hoping that he gets more like 24 minutes per game. He's one of those guys I mentioned yesterday where I'm a tiny bit higher on him than the general public. It seems like most... Most of the public is thinking outside the top 140, 150, 160 range. I think he can probably climb into the 120 area, which still doesn't really make him a must-own, must-start guy, but it does certainly make... there. There's a very small amount of profit margin there. Very small. Not someone that I would use a ton of time on, but if you're in a slightly deeper league, then maybe that's the type of like miniature buy you could throw out there. Kobe White apparently didn't need to miss much time with the COVID exposure or non-exposure or whatever it happened to be. Um, and so he's back, and he did. He played more in this game, so he did enough to stay on points league radar, not really category league guy. And his return put a little dent into Tomas Sadoransky, who had been playing very well of late. This game was a bit more quiet for Sado. I think the hope there is that the assists will probably be a little bit higher on a night-to-night basis, and he remains kind of a high-floor, low-ceiling type of guy moving forward. So Sato probably belongs on rosters in most formats. It's it's He's hovering ever so slightly above streamer territory. Markinen, I think you probably make a similar case for white points league only. Patrick Williams, I remain not super interested in. His value was floated here by a big steals game. But he's really a low-usage guy that 
you know, makes his hay as more of a dude kind of filling in around the edges for the team. Philadelphia at Boston. Kemba Walker uh, ready to sit out this second half of a back-to-back, but otherwise not much to take away from this ball game. Robert Williams, severe foul issues. Boston is set to get Tristan Thompson back, and frankly, weird as this to say, they do kind of need him just to have someone else they can throw in there at center besides Luke Cornett, Mo Wagner, Taco Fall. They tried everybody in this game, and it was kind of a disaster. Philly shot 39 free throws. That was my big fear. I had a small play on the Boston side, actually, and I thought, look, the way that this play goes into the toilet is if Philly takes so many free throws and there's so much foul stuff going on that Boston, just no matter how well they shoot, and they did actually shoot the three ball pretty well for most of this ball game, no matter how well they shoot, it won't matter because Philly's just going to come down, get to the line, slow the game down, and they did it. Damn, that was the one thing. That was the one thing, and it, it had a chance to happen. You always knew it did because, you know, Boston was down big men, and then we needed Robert Williams not to pick up three fouls in five minutes, including one on a freaking, I should say, a firkin' Korkmaz pump fake. Fouled him on a firkin' pump fake. <laughs> anyway, Philly beat Boston. Fantasy-wise, there really wasn't much in this ball game, and we just sort of shuffle along. Lakers beat Toronto in a game that was not nearly as close as the final score would indicate, but the Raptors did play their guys' starters minutes, so at least you got that out of it as they made their late try to do anything with it. OG Ananobi, Montrez Harrell got ejected late in the first quarter uh, after, I think, Ananobi, if I'm getting this right, threw Dennis Schroeder kind of to the ground. And so those guys got punted. And that meant it was time for the Marcus Ole revenge game. Mark played 28 minutes. 28 minutes. 13-9-5 with four blocks. Still showing that he's a pretty versatile fantasy player. But it's short-lived, guys. Andre Drummond, we just talked about, set to likely play in the Lakers' next game tomorrow. And so if you were thinking, hey, can Marcus Ole? No. No, he cannot. But Lakers hanging in there. You know, they like... The, the games that they have a chance to win, they're generally winning. And somehow, despite missing their two superstars, they're still four and six in their last 10 games. That's better than a lot of the teams that are fighting for the last spot in the Western Conference. The Lakers are hanging in there, treading water. I think you see Anthony Davis back within the next two weeks. I said that earlier this week, so I guess it's slightly less than two weeks now. So, uh... You know, this this clinging thing that the Lakers are doing is actually working out okay. I guess the the big fear is they're only three games up on the surging Mavericks. That would potentially drop them into a play-in situation, and then you get a little bit goofy. So they're they're trying right now, and they got the win. Otherwise, in this ballgame, Markeith Morris played pretty well. He's actually been all right lately, and but I'm not... We've talked about the Lakers enough for you guys to know. I don't really trust any of these guys going forward. I think Kuz was one that we were sort of barely letting go in the in the starting side of things. Schroeder was the one that was the, the, the easier call as the fill-in here. He's the team's third best player. And then Montrez had been pretty well other than this ejection. But for the rest of these guys, I think I'd rather just wait out the superstars coming back. For Toronto, Malachi Flynn, another wonderful streamer performance. Just keep him going as long as Van Vliet and Lowry remain out for the Raptors. Gary Trent Jr., who I am significantly lower on than the fantasy public at large, played 34 minutes, took 15 shots. I mean, he's going to get his volume up there. 
But you saw it. Just three boards, two assists, one steal. And when the, when the threes aren't dropping, things dry up pretty quick for him. And it's why I feel like his upside is relatively capped. So, you know, this is not the day to do it. But as we talked about on yesterday's show, if he posts a couple good games in a row and you can move him for someone who's, you know, in that 70 range, you do it in a heartbeat. DeAndre Bembry ended up having a big ball game, and he's been uh, okay, actually. He's been okay here during this sort of streamer fest. He was always the guy that was closest to putting up some numbers, but he's a terrible foul shooter. He doesn't hit the three ball. His value is pretty heavily reliant on rebounding and steals, and so some days you're going to get both of them, and then you're going to be like, okay, thank, like that was good enough. And other days you're going to go, oh, no. And that's why i probably not diving in on this one um, unless you're targeting particular stats, which you could be at this point of the year. I don't want to write that off completely right now. We're at that juncture of the season where you do need to be hunting things, and you know maybe you don't need three-pointers at all, or maybe your free throw percent is either already in the tank or you're so good it doesn't matter that Bembry's going to go two for four in a ball game where he plays 35 minutes. In those instances... Awesome. You know, target some steals, and he'll get you a couple rebounds and assists just to kind of keep you from falling off the board in those numbers. Otherwise, his upside is limited by the things he doesn't do. Big game for Chris Boucher, so that was nice. Got the start, played a whole bunch. And then, certainly for Ananobi, he'll be better in the next one. Pelicans, you know, this game was listed as a blowout. It wasn't really a blowout until relatively late. Like, at least the game was competitive through almost three quarters. And then folks didn't really have to play much late. But Zion got his 35 minutes. Eric Bledsoe got his 33 and didn't do much with them, as per usual this year. Uh, the, the thing that, you now Lonzo almost triple-doubled, so that was nice. He had a big ball game. The thing that upset me on the Pelican side was that James Johnson, our streamer of the week, uh, had some pretty goodly foul issues. He ended up sneaking in a few extra minutes late and grabbed an extra rebound and a block. But overall, this was not the game we wanted out of James Johnson. He just never really quite got into a rhythm. But you know what? At least he got his three blocks and kind of salvaged what would have otherwise been a really awful game without the defensive stats. But that's the beauty of James Johnson. He gets defensive stats. They play again tonight. Keep, your, keep an eye on the starting lineup. If Brandon Ingram is back in there, I think you probably yank Johnson out of your lineup. There just won't be the minutes for him at that point. Steven Adams, I thought, was in the concussion protocol, and then he was just fine. Whatever. Atlanta side, Trey Young finally had a bigger ball game. He's been pretty quiet of late. Uh, Solomon Hill got extra power forward minutes because they wanted to use him on Zion instead of Gallo. Not that anybody was going to slow him down, but can you imagine Gallo trying to guard Zion? Yikes. No news, no news. Bogdan still streaming away in Atlanta as long as DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish are out. I don't think you have anything to worry about there. Short term, at least. There's this weird sense of optimism coming out of Atlanta that DeAndre Hunter might be ready by the weekend. That would surprise the hell out of me. But if that's the case, I mean, really watch the Atlanta news breaks. Watch how they're covered over the next one or two days because... Hunter, I, I think, was probably dropped in a lot of spots. Lord knows I did drop him in a couple of spots where I just couldn't afford to sit on any more zeros. But, you know, what if? What if they really were telling the truth uh, and that he's only going to miss, you know, a couple of ball games? Maybe he's back by the weekend or early next week. Really watch closely. 
We know he's out for tonight. They host the Grizzlies. I I would assume he's also out on Friday. But after Friday, I would say watch. If he gets upgraded to doubtful or questionable or something like that, probably just throw him back on your roster. Because he was so good earlier this year. We've forgotten how good he was because he's been such a pain to try to stash with this playing two games and then disappearing and then getting some minor procedure done. That'll be his gig when he comes back, guys. Don't don't forget that. I know Atlanta's playing better these days, but Solomon Hill and Kevin Herter will clear the deck for DeAndre Hunter. That's his spot, one of those two at least. Miami, Memphis, Grizzlies won it on the road. Ja Morant pulled himself from this game late with hip and back tightness, saying, I'm fine, everything is fine. Uh, but they have a back-to-back, as we just mentioned about, you know, they travel to Atlanta from Miami, so short flight does it lock up a little bit. I, I considered picking up Tyus Jones in a few spots yesterday just to see if maybe he might get a spot start in this one, and then I kind of forgot, I'll admit. It was like 11-15, and I thought, well, maybe Ty, nah, and I fell asleep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're in a league where you can make moves day of, you might be able to squeeze a Tyus Jones stream in provided you do monitor the news closely enough. Uh, no DeAnthony Melton figured Grayson Allen would have a better, better ball game, but that's been the situation with Memphis. You really just don't know which of those 24-minute guys is going to be the one to play better. Happened to be Desmond Bain in this one, which is why we still like DeAnthony Melton, because he's the only one where you're like, look, if he's going to get 20 minutes, he's going to do something with it. We cannot make that guarantee with Allen, with Jones, with Bain, everyone else they throw in there just for good measure. Victor Oladipo is not good anymore. I, I, it, it happened, I'd like to say it happened quickly, but it didn't really happen quickly. It happened with a series of bad injuries. He's just not the same guy. His efficiency is in the toilet. And I don't, you know, this is sort of what I thought would happen when he made his Miami debut, and they were able to kind of overwhelm it what was the uh did he play in the game against the Warriors I can't remember if he got in on that one yeah he did but the Warriors were just such a mess on that road trip fouling everybody like I I can't I can't really figure how that one got away from Golden State and Tyler Hero had a good shooting game Duncan Robinson had a big shooting game this the Heat who to their credit have been playing better specifically defensively there needed to be this downturn with Oladipo. It almost always happens that way, where you work in a high-usage guy and he kind of disrupts things. You can see perhaps he's trying not to insert himself too much because Duncan Robinson's been shooting the ball better lately. Tyler Harrow has been playing better lately. But if you run into a team that's actually playing relatively well, then you get this kind of thing, where Oladipo hurt more than he helped in this one. And maybe he'll get it pulled together, but fantasy-wise, he actually probably is a little bit of a buy low. Again, provided your trade deadline isn't over, he'll settle in a little bit with Miami, and I think they're going to want to play him more so that they can get chemistry going prior to a playoff run. So this is about as safe a time as you could ever think these days to pick up Victor Oladipo. What would I give up for him? Eh, top 100 type of guy. I mean, I, th- I think that Victor Oladipo... Guys that are rostering him right now are seeing what's happening. And he hasn't been good. He's number 98 on the season and trending down. He's trending the wrong direction. Uh, You could probably get him 
for someone else in that same neck of the woods. Maybe not the guys right around him because there's a little goofball stuff going on, but like Kelly Oubre, maybe? He's at 110. Streaking Bogdan Bogdanovich at 111. That might be a really interesting one to offer up, assuming we 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 will assume that Reddish and Hunter are going to play again at some point. Not, yeah, you end up losing that trade. Detroit-Denver, this one was also a blowout, although Will Barton got to play 36 minutes anyway. It seems a strange decision to play Will Barton so much, uh, but I, I guess he's fully healthy now for pretty much the first time in a while. He's He's been good for better part of four or five weeks in a row. Uh, Denver didn't even really need all their starters to do stuff in this game, and not a huge surprise given Detroit is going into tank mode. A couple things on the Pistons' side that I want to I wanna pause on here. First of all, Dennis Smith Jr. played 14 minutes. He remains a guy that could put up some pretty good fantasy numbers if he saw time, but if he can't see time in this one, then I don't know when he's going to get the opportunity because in the next ball game, they're likely to have Killian Hayes back in there. Also, we got a report yesterday out of Detroit that they're hoping Killian Hayes can start to play in back-to-backs soon. They have another one this weekend. That might be a little... That might be a little too soon, so I would expect him to sit out one half of those. But as the season winds down, that's a big plus in his column. One of the reasons that we were reticent about picking up Killian Hayes, well, in addition to the fact that he's probably going to kill you in percentages, and we'll just, just we'll try to ignore that here for the short term, because you know maybe the free throw shooting doesn't turn out to be a big issue. Maybe he doesn't take that many field goal attempts. Points leagues-wise, there's... No reason to to dodge him anymore. That was the reason to dodge him in head-to-head leagues was, look, this guy's going to sit out a game every week. That's rough because he's probably not going to be that awesome anyway. So I think that puts Killian Hayes decidedly in the ad column in most formats, really, most formats, because you kind of have to see what happens here. He could end up being a really good assist guy down the stretch. Pistons have relied pretty heavily on a Mason Plumlee-centric passing scheme but, and this takes me to the next point on the Pistons, Plumlee played only 20 minutes yesterday. Yes, it was a blowout, so it possibly would have played another five or six in the fourth quarter. That would have then flipped the Plumlee-Stewart minute distribution back in Mason's favor. Or was this the start of something else? I'm inclined to think that it was blowout-related and that if this was a tight ball game, Plumlee would have played the last five or six minutes and then he would have been at 26 and Stewart would have been at 22 instead of basically the other way around. But if this happens again, and they play tomorrow, Thursday, without a back-to-back before they have another back-to-back over the weekend. So tomorrow is actually a really good data-gathering game for Detroit. Keep an eye on the Plumlee-Stewart rotation. If, if this one flips and Stewart becomes the play-more guy, then he becomes the ad guy. I still don't think we're quite there yet. Sadiq Bey had six three-pointers, but that seems to be where his value is concentrated right now. Jeremy Grant, little revenge game against Denver. He had himself a fun one, even if his team got spanked. And then Hamadou Diallo, who actually did play in the second half of the back-to-back, but not very much. So it was a here, you can play in the back-to-back, but you don't get to play your full allotment. Sorry, kid. Maybe that also begins to change. I mean, this these are all little steps in the right direction. I have my issues with Diallo. You guys know that. Certainly not going to hit value in 17 minutes on the floor. We need rebounds. We need passing. We need defensive stats. We need him not to take free throws, although he did go one for one at the foul line in this ballgame. 
I think Diallo is an ad also. Um, and the hope here is the same kind of trend line as we talked about on the Killian Hayes front, which is, you know, if if Killian starts to play in back-to-backs, what does it look like at first? Is it going to be full minutes in one and partial minutes in the other? I don't know. But for Diallo, at least we're at the stage now where he's getting partial minutes in a back-to-back, and probably he'll see some pretty big run when they're not in a back-to-back. And maybe by the end of this season, which, you know, we still have five, six weeks left here, maybe as we go you'll start to see him just play normal minutes in every game as we ramp towards that. The trend line is pointed in the right direction. That's the important thing on both Diallo and on Hayes, who each are much more viable in points formats, but I actually think both should be rostered and maybe benched in nine-category leagues as we see how this thing plays out. Isaiah Stewart still, for now, on the watch list. Milwaukee, still without Giannis. Really surprising. I thought he would play in this one. It seemed like the Kings game was really more of a rest opportunity. Turns out he's actually hurting a little bit. And Milwaukee lost to Steph Curry, basically. No, that's not fair. He got a little bit of help in this ballgame. Kent Bazemore had one of his weird explosions. Kelly Oubre's been better the last couple of ballgames. James Wiseman double-doubled in 25 minutes. He double-doubled, by the way, at about halftime and then pretty much did nothing post-halftime break. Draymond was weirdly quiet. He fouled out. And they won somehow. He'll be better in the next one. Milwaukee side, you know, if Giannis, if if this thing starts to linger a little bit, then Bobby Portis turns into a pretty interesting fantasy player. Otherwise, uh, you pretty much just roll things out the way you have been. And then Portland and the Clippers. This was the uh, Paul George wants to wake up to play Dame kind of thing. And I, I that's something that's probably going to go on forever with those guys. Uh, PG had his best ball game in probably two months here. Reggie Jackson had 23 points in 25 minutes. Kawhi was always, as always, was good. But there were other notes on this one that put a little bit of a damper on any non-superstars. First, the Clippers signed Boogie, who did play eight minutes off the bench and, you know, mostly soaking up garbage time. But every minute that someone else grabs is a minute from someone else. Uh, I think you're, you know, you're still rolling with Avica Zubats as your starting center. Uh, the fact that they signed Boogie makes me think that Serge Ibaka is actually dealing with something that they don't want to let on, that it's, it's kind of serious, and maybe he resurfaces here. But speaking of resurfacing, Patrick Beverly came out of nowhere to play in this ballgame. He'd just been gone for who knows how long. Log 20 minutes was actually pretty darn productive. He's their starting point guard. And that's going to turn the this whole situation to just another time crunch. You know, Terrence Mann isn't going to have enough now with Rondo and Beverly suddenly back. Rondo, Beverly, Reggie Jackson, all of these guys are going to be fighting for the same bucket. Luke Kennard is fighting for that bucket. He barely played. $60 million man. And then Marcus Morris, who did play as his starting power forward, but didn't get that many shots because Paul George was going bananas. So the Clippers just got real deep, kind of overnight. Not that they weren't deep before, but uh, adding you know, NBA-caliber guys like Rondo and Beverly back to the mix. And I don't like Rondo all that much, but he's going to play a few minutes. And Beverly, he'll get himself hurt again, but he's going to play minutes while he's healthy. So everything just gets squeezed. I think Marcus Morris can stay in the mix a little bit. It doesn't impact him quite as much as some of the, the wings and guards because he's largely been playing power forward and even sliding up for a minute or two at small ball center. 
he'll be fine. He just didn't get his normal minutes or his normal number of shots in this one. Otherwise, things were kind of on pace for him. He had four rebounds in 24 minutes. We're shooting for five. He had his steal. Usually he'll get one assist just being on the floor with guys that are good around him. And then the only thing we didn't get was, and I want him to get up near 12 shots. Just didn't need to in this one. A lot of free throws. A lot of free throws. None for Marcus. Portland side was sort of no real news. We talked about Nurk being ruled out early, so Ennis Cantor slides right back into a driver's seat in that center spot, and it's apparently just sort of not the year for Nurk, which is a real shame because Portland finally got Rob Covington, someone at that power forward spot who's good and trustworthy, and they traded for Norman Powell, which, you know, 32 points yesterday, that pretty damn good line for him. Like, they're a pretty well-rounded team for the first time in a while. Derek Jones Jr. coming off the bench, that's solid mellow if they need a little scoring off the bench. I like Portland, but they really could use Yusuf Nurkic, and I just, you know, we're running out of time for him to get to a healthy point this year. Weird offseason, and it just sort of blew up the whole thing. And it was hard to know because he started the year, supposedly at least, he started the year healthy. Then we find out his conditioning was messed up. He had a bunch of time he had to spend overseas because of uh, COVID family stuff. Just a sad series of stories for Nurk. And his body just never quite got right. It's year-round stuff for these guys to stay NBA ready. Uh, Let's talk about those um, polls that I ran yesterday. And what we may or may not have learned from... By the way, we got a word here while we were talking that John Morant is not on the injury report. So, presumably he's fine. Meanwhile, (laughs) Gallo apparently has ankle soreness. Whatever. Um, In any event, the the new polls that I ran yesterday were on Moses Brown and Davis Bertans. Here's the data we got on those guys. Moses Brown, I gave folks four choices in the poll. Top 50, 50 to 75, 75 to 100, or outside the top 100. Only 9% said top 50, but again, that's 9%. That's not nothing. 23% 50 to 75, 47% said 75 to 100, and 21% said outside the top 100. What did I learn from this? Well, what I learned is that uh, most of you guys actually do agree with my take, which is somewhere between 50 and 100. That was 70 of the 100% of the votes that came in on this poll yesterday. And it also means that unless you're in a league, and, and this may be the case, don't write this off completely, but I believe that Moses Brown probably does fall in that 75 to 100 range. But if you're in a league where you can find another GM, another manager in your league, that values him, that's maybe in that 23% that thinks 50 to 75 Maybe you can take him and trade up, get a round, maybe two rounds of value in a sell. Or maybe the guy that, well, probably not. I would say the team that has him thinks he's outside the top 100. I doubt it. If, if Those guys probably weren't the guys that were picking him up quickly anyway. And honestly, the people that think he's inside the top 50 probably also are people that have Moses Brown on their fantasy team. And they're just going to hold on to him at all costs because they believe he's going to be a fourth rounder the rest of the way. So those guys probably aren't going to be that useful for us here in this data, whatever, recon, whatever we're doing here on Twitter. Uh, I think it's the folks that 
are in the 50 to 75 versus the 75 to 100, that's probably where you can squeeze out a little bit of value if you can still make a trade in your league. And the other one I had, uh, the other poll we put together was Davis Bertans. This one was a little bit more lopsided. Every single person, pretty much, 90% had him outside the top 100 the rest of the way. I think they're probably right. Uh, there's a, a wacky world where maybe his minutes continue to trend up, or if Rui misses more time than we think, like maybe he's out for two or three weeks, and they got to roll Davis for 30 minutes at the power forward and center spots. There is a universe where that comes together, and he moves into the 75 to 100 range. But I think you're at that point, you're betting on a bunch of things happening simultaneously, where the more likely scenario is that as the Wizards get healthy, let's say Bradley Beal is back as early as tonight, He's been questionable for like three games in a row and hasn't played in any of them, so I'll believe it when I see it. But let's say Bradley Beal plays tonight. You know, the usage basically comes off the table. What's the maximum number of shots he gets up, even in a full starter's role, if Beal and Westbrook are both playing? Nine? Is that the max? Nine or ten shots? That just won't get it done for a three-point specialist type. So I actually agree with the poll on this one. I think he finishes outside the top 100. And that means... No value to be had. This was fun, though. I, I really do like this exercise. And as we look at some of the guys from yesterday's results, I would say Karis Levert is someone that I have a pretty different opinion on than the fantasy public at large. Andre Drummond is an interesting one we could throw onto the list as uh, maybe today's polls. So let's do Levert. We'll do Drummond. As we figure out how people feel about these guys. Feel is actually a big difference maker when you're talking about fantasy trades. One of my league's trade deadlines did expire already, but a lot of them are still going. I said it like right before the playoffs and head-to-head, and in Roto, I think I turned it off in some leagues. Which is a little silly, I know. But I trust these people. You have to trust the people in your league if you're going to do something like that. Or you can just be the commissioner and not allow something that's obvious collusion. But otherwise, if a team wants to make a trade with two weeks left in the season... You know, if they want to go rebound hunting or whatever, maybe there's no one on the wire. I'm for it. I'm fine with that. Provided, you know, as long as it's a fair return in this thing and everybody feels like they're getting something, hopefully, this is the other way I think to make this worthwhile, is, you know, make fourth place worth something in your Roto League. Give somebody like 25 bucks. So it just, it's like the play-in right now. Just extend it a little bit. 25 bucks for fourth place. You're going to get a bunch of guys in that 7, 8, ninth place that are like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go for that 25 bucks. I don't want to lose as much on my league this year. And they'll be willing to make trades. It's good. More competition. You can never force the guys at the very bottom, and I don't like penalizing last place with money. You'll never get somebody to pay up. They'll quit. They'll just quit the league. Penalizing them with something else, maybe... I really think the, the key to getting people to compete longer in fantasy is to incentivize trying for longer. The positives of it, as opposed to the negative of not trying. So Levert, Drummond, I don't know. I guess I could throw Killian Hayes in there. Throw a young guy in the mix. Feels weird even to say it. This is Dan Vesper's podcast. We're going to talk about a young guy? Yeah, screw it. That'll be our three for today. I like that. I like that a lot. We, we're pulling data from this stuff. So I, I've been actually really intrigued by the way these things have gone. 
And I like kind of revealing how the polls are going on the podcast. This is entertaining for me. This is something that I actually really want to do more, as I said on yesterday's show. I want to do this more as we roll around into next season, even during draft season, uh, focusing on some of the guys that are maybe a little bit buzzy or something like that. So we, well, this is a good idea. We'll, we'll just we'll deploy it here, call this a trial run this week, see how it all goes, and uh, we'll, we'll use it again a, a bit more going towards the future. Uh, look ahead time here, pretty good size Wednesday, nothing crazy. This is a nine-gamer, so we can handle that. That's a big bite, but not a giant bite. Minnesota is at Indiana. Indiana's injury report is the focal point of this one. D'Angelo Russell considered a game-time decision, but I see no reason why he wouldn't play after he looked good in his return a couple days ago. And that's pretty much all you're looking for in that ballgame. I guess you could track whether or not Ricky Rubio can still get 26, 27 minutes as Russell ramps up. I'm inclined to think the answer is probably no. But if he does, he probably stays on the radar as an assists steals specialist. You just lose anything else that he was barely putting up to begin with, even when he was a starter. Washington, Orlando, Wizards favored by three and a half on the road. I got to think that means Ozmakers believe Beal is playing. I know Orlando's bad, but the Wizards are also quite bad. And if Beal's out and Hachimura's out, then it's, you know, Russell Westbrook's clunk-tacular offense against the world. I'm less interested in the Washington side. That's just injury tracking, you know, follow the Wizards PR people, follow Shams and, and Fred Katz and whoever else that might break that news and Woj when Beal's coming back. The Orlando side is much more interesting because Michael Carter-Williams got cleared to return from his illness, non-COVID illness. Cole Anthony returned to, uh, or cleared to return from his rib situation. So he's available. Uh, We've seen RJ Hampton playing a bunch lately for Orlando. Dwayne Bacon's been playing a bunch with his terrible fantasy game. James Ennis, same story as Dwayne Bacon. These interchangeable wings that have no fantasy game. There's a lot to take in on that Orlando side. An absolute ton. Their last game was on the road in Denver. That was on Sunday nights. They've had a couple days off to rest up getting home here. Chumo Kiki, Wendell Carter Jr., those guys are locked in. Terrence Ross, provided he's playing, is also locked in. But everything else is way up in the air. You know, is RJ Hampton going to hold on to his job? Does he slide up to shooting guard and send either Bacon or Ennis to the bench? It's very conceivable that happens. Or does Hampton slide back to the bench? Does Michael Carter-Williams start? Does Cole Anthony start? I mean, they have... This is a team that's been super banged up, and Otto Porter's still out. But all of a sudden now, you get two guys back at the same time. MCW provide... I'm assuming he'll play a little bit more in his first game back because he was just under the weather for a week. And then, you know, with Cole Anthony, he's been out for a month and change with with a core issue. So they'll go a little easier on him. But still, you're talking about, I mean, I would think those two guys combined to play 30 to 40 minutes in this ballgame. So those are going to have to come from somebody. Jason Randall, maybe his 21 minutes just evaporates. Possible he just doesn't play now. So maybe that's where you get 20 of the minutes. And then what about the other 20? Is it Ennis? Is it Bacon? Is it a combination of them? Does Okiki lose a minute or two? He played 39 in that last ball game. That might be a little bit on the high side for a young fella. Not that he's not going to start and play big minutes, but maybe you target more like 34 instead of 39. So, you guys know where we're going with this. Orlando, homework assignment. 
Washington, Orlando. I know you're going to barf at least three times while viewing this game, but it's critical. Fantasy critical. Pelicans in Brooklyn on the back-to-back, waiting on the status report of Brandon Ingram. He's listed as questionable as of the time of recording this podcast. Brooklyn getting Kevin Durant back. We'll see what that does to their front court. Blake Griffin also back after an injury maintenance day. By the way, did you notice how the NBA very quietly stopped calling it load management? They noticed. I respect the NBA on that front. I respect the NBA because they heard the term load management and they looked at Twitter and they were like, everybody's laughing at this because this is a straight up sexual innuendo joke and we need to come up with something that's not dumb. So it's now injury maintenance. Not funny at all. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Pels, back on the Pels side. Yeah, I'm starting James Johnson if Ingram's out. I'm not if Ingram's in. Simple as that. Knicks are in Boston. You could argue both teams might be on a little bit of a a letdown here. Boston getting spanked by Philadelphia because they couldn't stop fouling. The Knicks losing a tight one to Brooklyn. Not yesterday, the day before that. Are they going to have anything in the tank? Boston is not super interesting from a fantasy standpoint right now. I think we have a pretty good grip on what they're doing with their guys. The Knicks are a little bit interesting because I'm still waiting on Derrick Rose to get his wind back. And I want to grab him. I want to be there when he does finally turn that corner. I just don't want to be early on it. Because right now it's early. It's too early. I mean, if you look at his last three games, one for ten... 3 for 6, 6 for 14, not making his free throws. He's just not, he's not there yet. He doesn't have, he doesn't, he's sucking wind. And we've seen it with a lot of these guys. It's taken them three, four, five weeks to shake the COVID stuff, which, by the way, that's crazy, man. Like, to be sick for, and, or a little bit sick for that long or longer. And these guys are 30-year-old, hyper-healthy, well, I guess Derrick Rose is a little bit older than that. Um... So I, I do think he's going to get there. I just think we're like one, maybe two more weeks away. And you know maybe you can squat on him, but I don't think I can. That's a lot to ask to just camp out on a dude who right now, Derrick Rose is not really close to fantasy value while he's playing, we'll call it semi-dinged up, whatever you want to call it. He's like top 200 range type of stuff. Can't play that. Can't play that while we're waiting on it. But hopefully he'll get there sooner than later. And that's probably it. I mean, Taj Gibson, he he actually kind of falls into a, a possible streaming territory at this point. Insane, I know. But he's been actually kind of okay as a 20 to 25-minute guy off the bench for New York. And what am I at? Would I add him in? Uh, you got to be targeting specific things, but I guess you could put them on your watch list as well. Mavericks are in Houston. Not much to track on the Dallas side. Porzingis sounds like he's back for this ball game, so that'll take shots away from all of the wings for the most part because the big guys that fill in for him don't really bother to shoot anyway. And, you know, so does that mean Jalen Brunson keep his heater going? I still, I do think Josh Richardson's a guy that can hang on to low-end value most of the way. With Houston, they're pretty well solidified these days as well. You know, if Daniel House is still out, we saw Kelly Olynyk slide into the starting lineup, so he's been great. Wood's been fine. Tate's been good. Sounds like John Wall will be coming back for this one. So something to monitor is what is Kevin Porter Jr.'s job 
on the floor when Wall is healthy. And he wasn't good last time. So you might even want to consider benching Kevin Porter Jr. here. You don't have to, but consider it. Because as a shooting guard, his upside goes right into the toilet. You take away the six, seven, eight assists, and then he's just a low-efficiency scorer. That's just, that's not going to cut it. But who knows? I mean, you probably, you know with me, every time I get cute, somebody explodes. So probably best to just close your eyes and leave it alone. Grizzlies on the back-to-back. Again, sounds like Ja is going to play based on that report. We'll see. Uh, this should be a fun one. Ja Morant, Trey Young, young guys going head-to-head. Atlanta favored by two and a half. Both teams actually playing relatively well these days. I, you know, if you're ballsy enough to try rolling out one of those Memphis wings with no DeAnthony Melton, you have... Larger stones than I. Charlotte, down a lot of pieces. I do still think P.J. Washington has to bounce back a little bit. We'll see, I guess. Oklahoma City, I haven't heard anything about anybody coming back for this team because they're in full tank mode right now. And I guess that means you just keep rolling out the same dudes, which is, by the way, not many at the moment. Moses Brown is startable. Alexi Pokashevsky is probably barely startable. Ugh. I don't know, man. You might just want to leave all the rest of those guys on the bench. Streamers, you know, head-to-head league, unlimited, all that stuff. That's sort of a different monster. Spurs need a win. This is a back-to-back in Denver. Not a great place to go get one. See if DeJounte Murray's good enough to go. Denver's pretty easy to handicap these days. Not a back-to-back, I should say. It's a rematch pair. They have a day off in between the games. And then Utah on the road in Phoenix. Jazz have not looked that good on the road lately. Six and seven, their last 13 road games. Phoenix? Mm, kind of played with their food against Houston. We'll see if that was a wake-up call or if that was a trend. No fantasy notes on this game, however. None to speak of. Uh, I do want to mention to you guys that this is a perfect time to check out the fantasy pass. And I, and I know that's contra counterintuitive, because you're getting to the end of the year and like, why do I need the premium stuff right now? Well, this is, the, this is a perfect time to just dive in for a month. That's the beauty of it. You know, in previous seasons, Hoopball had the, the full season plan, which was, you know, 30 bucks at the start of the year. And then it went down. And it was like 15 partway through the year. But now you can just get a month. Get a month of the fanny pa- Fantasy Pass. Fanny Pass. For $4.99, jump into the Discord chat with me, with... Alan, with Surio, with Adam, with Eric, all of these, with Steve, with all of these studs, and let us help you, let, guide you to your championship. This is when the most critical moves are being made. This is not the time to take your foot off the gas. This is not the time to move away from using the premium stuff. This is the time to really lean into it. So get the Fantasy Pass for $4.99 and get in our Discord. I really, truly believe that that is the most useful tool we can offer right now at this point of the season because it's effectively one-on-one help with your fantasy team. Hey, I got a guy I want to pick up. Should I do it? Okay, cool. Ask the pro that's sitting in Discord ready to help you. Hoop-ball.com premium tab up at the top of the window and choose Fantasy Pass and get yours today. No ads on today's show. No ads for our, our partners. They're gonna, they get a day off. Maybe because my voice wants a day off. Tomorrow, we will have many an advertisement. So there's your tease. But also, tomorrow on the podcast, we'll be talking to David Williams, host of the Hoopball Grizz podcast. Because I have questions, and I would love it if David has answers. 
The Grizzlies have been an unbelievably uh, confusing team all season long to get a feel for. And we're going to talk to somebody who's been watching every single Grizzlies game and can tell us how things have shaken out the way they have and and where things are likely going the rest of the way. So that should be a lot of fun and be a good reason for you guys to start listening to our Hoopball Grizz podcast with new co-host Isaac Simpson. So very cool tandem there, David and Isaac. And we'll talk to David on tomorrow's podcast. This was Fantasy NBA Today. I am and was your host, Dan Vespers, at Dan Vespers on Twitter. We're still recruiting. We're still recruiting. Hit me up if you're interested. And this was a hoopball presentation. Have a lovely Wednesday, everybody. Right back at you tomorrow. We'll get some poll results coming in again. And pretty soon, we'll start doing our streaming breakdown. We're only a week or two away from diving onto that stuff. That should be special. All right, later, guys. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.